The Deep Dive presents the fifth-year option NFL Draft Podcast with Andy Molitor and Vegas Refund, powered by Betsburgs. Hey, we're back from a long layoff. <clears throat> Vegas Refund and me, Andy Molitor, at AndyMSFW, at Vegas Refund. Just been trolling Twitter for news, and honestly, we're disappointed. We're di- it's, it's disappointing because it's all been... It's all been Super Bowl stuff, but there has been some stuff that's come out over the last two weeks. We're kind of at, we're just talking off the air. We're at the cusp. We're kind of at the precipice here. Right when we get a, around to the combine, um, you you did a great job of taking some notes last year, apparently, and writing down when markets started to pop up, which is great because I was a little nervous that stuff just isn't up. But you're, you're saying you're telling me we're like a week or two away from some some markets starting to open up, at least on the legal books. Yeah. So. I looked back at last year and it looks like all of the over-unders specifically started popping around March 1st. And my first bet I made, which was Kayvon Thibodeau last year, was on March 9th or March 8th, excuse me, um, which I specifically remember like letting that one marinate for a week or so um, prior to actually jumping on it. So, yeah, I would say we're a week or two away. Super Bowl is over. I, I don't want to say they're researching draft props on when to put them up. I think they're just occupied with other stuff. Um, and then I, really when the combine kicks off, which is next week, is definitely the signal of like draft season for the average Joe is actually here. <laughs> um, but in terms of that, so March 1st is one to look out. So we're definitely not behind. If anything, like there's more than there has been available right now than in years past. And the only two like true like movements that we've had were the wide receiver market, which I want to give props. Some of that's to. your fault. <laughs> I want to give props to anyone who was listening to this that bet Jalen Hylett after, where there is nothing better than draft CLV because it's really not real. Um, and we have a, a sensitive market that they really don't know anything. And one person can come in and put $100 on a, a specific – draft prop and it could move it as if like you think someone knows something and I promise you they don't, but we are not, but I will ignore that because there's nothing better than draft CLV and Hyatt was plus 1600 before we, when we recorded this and now he is down to plus 450 plus 430 on FanDuel. Um, And there was a ripple effect. DraftKings moved it down to plus 600. Um, and that is pretty much the market price, which I think is honestly like the 600 is fair at this point, like 14, 16. That was ridiculous. Um, and then Zerline had a, a tweet that got a lot of traction that I think really put the nail in the coffin and things just took off. But I think this is a settling point. It might go up a little. Who knows? But Zay Flowers went up as well. So in terms of like the movement, it was high coming down. And then it looked like Flowers, who surprisingly was is one of the guys that's been getting a lot of hype is one that went from i think he went from 1400 to he's in the range of 25 to one now and that that's one of the markets that i'm most interested in when it does pop is going to be the the number of wide receivers in the first round and obviously we had one fewer pick obviously we we need to take that into account when we do all of those when we get to that stuff but that's going to be a fun one this year i feel like last the last couple years there was just like all right there's like seven guys that could go in the the last 10 picks and 
somebody's going to stuff it in and it, it would be like over four and a half minus 300. But I'm, I'm curious to see where that pops. Cause like, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think Zay Flowers is going first off the board, but he's definitely going to play a, play a part in that overall wide receiver market. Best, yeah. best smart number I've seen on Hyatt right now is five, five to one on a couple of dirty offshores that are honestly kind of hard. One's kind of hard to access anyway. So that number kind of has uh, flown the coop at this point too. Yeah. And, I'm it's interesting like if there was like an over under right now set on wide receivers to go in the first round I would say like four and a half is the fair line we have three locks let's say Quentin Jordan and Jackson are locks to go in the first and then Hyatt I would I would say in my opinion is lock but he's definitely more like he doesn't do well in the combine etc where he's trending towards being locked for the first but then you have flowers and Josh Downs as well out of UNC. I, I think he he has the archetype like we d- discussed that can get traction. Um, he is – I'm not saying bet him first wide receiver, like no shot. Yeah. But like when that over-under comes out, like I was there at four and a half, which you're basically betting on like two of Hyatt, Flowers, and Downs to go in the first. Um, yeah, you need like two, two of the three. And I think you, you raised up an, an interesting point inadvertently there. Like when you said no shot, don't bet it. There's a lot of that in these markets. Like I just talked to you off the air about this where somebody has a first overall market, like for a bunch of players to go first overall. It's like, why isn't this just a list of five players? Because they listed like 30. And I won't even out, you know, which uh, which version of BetDSI this is. But they... uh they list a bunch and like you pointed out, I listed this, uh, it was Jer- Jerkovic or whatever. <laughs> like, I think he went back to school. Yeah, not, I think only, he, not, not only, not only is like anybody past like the, what two, it's probably like, and we do this every year and we've been wrong before, obviously, but it feels like it's two quarterbacks and two defenders. And that's kind of it for first overall pick. So the, like, don't go getting squirrely and betting something really goofy. Like, Skaronsky or I don't know, mm-hmm. like any of these things for first overall. Like you can probably take it pretty easy on that market unless there's something informational that comes out at this point. So uh, you know, I, I was looking offshore and seeing what's up for markets now. It's basically the same kind of stuff. We've got first overall at a lot of places, first wide receiver, like we just talked about. A newer one is the Jalen Carter versus Will Anderson. And it's mm-hmm. not truly a, a matchup bet. It's listed at every book I've seen it at as first defensive player taken. It's just maybe a bit of a foregone conclusion that those are those are it. There's not going to be some third name that sneaks in above both of them at this point. And that will be that will be an interesting tool because a lot of that is going to hinge on what the Bears do. Yeah, I mean that one. Like I was, I think Anderson should be f- favored in that matchup. Uh, but between those two, a lot of it's going to come down to where. The Aaron Payne goes out of Washington, assuming that he hits the market and he signs with the new team where there are a couple teams in the top five, including the Bears, that can afford him. And I, I love when free agents go elsewhere and like a guy like Payne, he's he is probably the best free agent to hit the market. And if he goes to one of the top five teams, like Bears specifically, like we said on the last show, that would very much be in favor to Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not that's the worst part about this too, because I saw Anderson, and right now the market is minus 175 to Carter, 135 to Anderson. And 
I wanted to I wanted to bet Anderson, but it's just a really low limit prop where I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna go mess with that because it is like you said, it's it's make believe CLV. And it, it yeah. makes me think of the stupid pink dress, red dress thing from <laughs> from the you know, and I love all those guys on that stream, but like when they, they yeah, everyone got so pumped about oh, we took that market down. I'm like, yeah, it's like it's because a lot of people are watching your stream. It's a popular stream with a bunch of people on it. And like if if 30 people bet that $25 prop at 25 to one, like guess what? Bet online is taking that down instantly because right. they think they're they think they're getting hit with informational stuff. And the same thing happens, like you said, with the Hyatt thing. It's it's if anybody's betting anything heavily on draft night stuff and they're getting hit with multiple, you know, we'll call them max bets, even though a lot of these places aren't taking big money on it. But if the max is 50 and they get hit with 50 bucks, 15, 30 times all across the board on one guy that they're going to have to move a bunch on it. Cause they have right. to assume it's informational. Right. And, and, and like the over unders and they, they get absolutely crushed. And even though we, we understand that it is like fake CLV. It, it will always be a great feeling. Like the feeling of like, it's a, like a guaranteed winner when you see the CLV, which it's not, but it does present and I don't do it. Um, and I very well could, but it does present like crazy middles, but that is a great way to get yourself limited and shut down. And like I lit betting legally. I live in fear of, like every bet I make outside of the draft legally, I have the mindset of I do not want to screw up my draft betting. Where if I got like a specific book, I got shut down recently. And I was it, like, my first thought was, this is going to screw up everything for the draft. Like, I need this account. Um, where like every legal bet I make, I, I'm like thinking, is this going to affect my draft betting? Which, like, taking advantage of them in draft betting is a very easy way to get shut off, limited, et cetera. And has no fun. Cause it is a, cause you can make a lot of money and you, and they, and they know that. And it definitely has to be something you have to think about going through the process. Yeah. I mean, even for me now, like I'm considering the timing of getting to Illinois because there's a, a lot of the stuff I, I struggle to get down at a offshore in a, in a state that doesn't have legal betting options. And it's something worth checking too. And I've told this story 10 times, I bet, but like, know, know the rules too. This is one of those things where people can't find a certain bet. It's like, that's because you live in New York and they don't allow that. Yeah. It's, and and it's, it's the same, same kind of thing. Like I drove to Iowa with all this money loaded up in DraftKings and FanDuel and, and it turns out they don't let, they don't let you do any draft betting whatsoever no props on on anything like that so yeah it's uh, it's all all the way to dubuque for me if i had to go do any of that but yeah it, it's it's tough too because the the middling is so tempting and i think if you <clears throat> if you did it across a couple books it wouldn't be as big of a deal right and and the other issue with it too is when you can get big middles often the first leg is just such a low limit thing like <clears throat> i remember somebody bragged about having a big middle on mac jones last year like they had the under 18 when it yep. first opened and then they took over two and a half or over three and a half. So if he got drafted anywhere in there, they're going to make a lot of money. It's like, man, nobody took any more than like a hundred bucks and under 18. Like, yeah, right. you could probably get a lot of money down on that late number, but it's, it's not a big middle because you, you just couldn't get any money down on that first number. And it's crazy how bad that number was. Granted, he got, what, what was the Patriots pick 15th? 
Uh, I think it was third. No, it was yeah, right. It was, it was, it was yeah, right it was in that range, mid-teens. Like he did come in a lot later than some people were expecting. It when there was a lot of steam at him going third, but he still he did fall in that middle. He fell well under that early number, and then obviously over the late number. Did I mean? Did you do any of that? Did you hit any medals on those? Because some of them, it's one thing if they move to like minus two hundred or minus four hundred, and they won't budge off that position. You know, just like the Drake London thing. Eventually, it just sat at like ten and a half, wouldn't move. Yeah, I mean, I, I really withhold from getting too greedy. Um, And I know some people that like destroy these props and are just I want to make as much right now and. I, I just truly like try not to get too greedy and I have a, a standardized unit for each over under and I stick to that. But also I have a lot riding on the props that I give out initially that like, I could middle them, but like at the same time, I hate rooting for both sides. It's really just like a personal preference of like, I'm rooting for an over like way more than an under. Um, yeah. It, it, I don't do it. I could, but I don't it, like, especially with how much some of them move when I give them out. Um, I could really kill it, but. Yeah. I had, I've had, in all the years, I've only hit one really ever, and it was Thibodeau last year, and it was the smallest of middles. It was, I just pulled it up so I could look. It was under five and a half, basically laid minus 200 on that. And then I came back later and bet over four and a half at minus one ten. So just needed to <laughs> land, needed needed that to land on the five. So I mean, it, it, it's tricky too. And like I said, I paid a shitload of juice on that just to get it in that spot. I feel like that was more of a buyout than a middle. Like I, I was, I was scared of the position. Uh, like you said, you get too many of those where it's like, man, I have like six guys I think are going to go in the top five. That's a problem. I think I actually got scared off of the Thibodeau stuff because there was so much Stingley juice. There was so much sauce juice and everybody, you know, like everybody was getting pushed into that top five. And I think I got scared off by the the Thibodeau under five, five and a half was what I ended up doing there. Yeah, And I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because like, if it's like a over 10 and a half, let's just say you bet the over 10 and a half, it's based off of everything that you've gone through, whether it's info mocks, just like, the combined info that you've like absorbed on this pick, you bet the over 10 and a half and it goes to like, let's say like 20 and a half where there's nothing that I can, like there's no information that I have that like supports an under, like everything that I'm going off of is like this team at 10 isn't going to take him or nine or 11, et cetera. And then when you get too high, you're really just kind of taking you're really just betting a middle and you're saying like, there's no way he could go this much further. Um, and it almost just, it's almost as if it's a hedge in every case, because like, unless it gets really far out, uh, trying to middle, it's just, it goes against the process of like having hundred percent confidence in the pick. Um, and yeah. really trying to take advantage of the system. And when I'm going about these, like I have no expectation of losing any over unders. Um, well, and it's not the same kind of market as like, you know, let's say DraftKings opens a terrible prop on a running back yards that week. And you know, like the the you know, the guy who's been spelling him on third down is beat up, his backup is very good. The guy's just gonna get eight more carries than he normally would. They open a prop way too low, and you have a good you have a good way to price props, you have a good, you know, uh, whatever you want to say, model for projecting his numbers that week, and it's it's 30 yards too low or something. 
right. you end up pounding it and it goes up by 35 40 yards because everybody sees it and that that like that's a middle like because that's just something that happens those are, i mean yards are just it's a counting stat on a football game this is more of a if a guy's falling it's almost like the guy you know a guy falling like Willis, you know, you think about that, what his price was, what his over right. under was. Like, I don't remember what Kobe I Dean. Think, I feel like it was like 30 ish. Or, yeah, no, Kobe Dean. There was a couple good examples in the NBA draft that are escaping me. It's like, I, this guy had an over under and he didn't get drafted. Like, the Kobe Dean's like the crazy example. I think he opened at like 24 or something like that and it kept going up. And that was one of the few last year that I took that, like, basically, I bet an over at a really bad number that I could have had a lot better if I acted sooner. Um, and I think he closed at like 32 and a half, basically just betting him on the first round. And he ended up going in like the fifth round or something like that to the Eagles. Yeah. He didn't even play this year. Like, Yeah. Uh, and I just found it. Malik, Malik Willis was like early second round, 34, 35. There were some prices on him. So, you know, it's not the same middling that. So take it easy on that. And like Luke said, they're just don't, Burn a book by like right. getting too greedy. Find a different place. And it's funny too. Your standardized unit. My standardized unit for betting your stuff is just how much can I get down at these three books? Because they're all <laughs> just I'm so I'm not limited. It's just the the market is limited. Like all these are we'll take a hundred each on this. So it's like I can bet these three, four places, maybe four if I get lucky. So yeah, I guess I have a standard unit too. It's just uh I'd love to bet more. You see it pretty well. I mean, there's a couple that I'm surprised haven't limited to me. And like part of me, and I mean this in the humblest way, um, at like oh God. possible, that I feel like they have me flagged and they wanna and they know want to know where the action is going. Um to like adjust accordingly for like what the number should be. Um, like specifically points bet at least. Uh, but where if like they cut me off like they would be in the dark i guess who knows but yeah i mean that's fair with some informational stuff like that especially if they can get out of it without taking a, an avalanche of them so um i'll come back to some offshore markets later i have some not really draft but very draft adjacent stuff i want to bring up probably at the end but we'll get into news news from the last couple weeks i talked this over with drew dinzik a little the and somebody else. I talked about the Derek Carr stuff. We talked about like where he could end up because the the fact that he's not going to be traded, that he's going to become a free agent, and we always talk about that. What affects this quarterback market the most, and what affects it is there's so many teams that are just very much in need of a quarterback. In fact, there's a couple of teams. It's like uh, Jets, maybe Jets, Saints, Panthers to a lesser extent. Like, if you had a good quarterback, this is like a playoff team. You know, there's some teams that are, that's the position they need, a little bit of fill-in, and all of a sudden they're, you know, a competitive team, whereas some of those teams were not this year. And, you know, he fills a spot there. And I, I know some people linked him to the Saints. I'm not as good with salary cap stuff as some people. I just don't understand how the Saints can sign anyone at all, <laughs> ever. They're it's like negative. Fine. Negative 60. It's it's just math, I guess. It's just like just, the Rams. The Rams just, just set the standard of fake money. But so I think really for, I said this maybe affects the Bears a little. And everything for the next few months is just going to be very Bears-centric until like we hear something that what we know what they're doing. But 
this is probably only affecting the Bears if it's what the Texans, Panthers, or Colts. Yeah, I don't, I don't think every, I don't everybody think... else is like too far down to you know put a decent package together anyway. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I think honestly, I don't think Carr like realistically Carr's not going to sign with a bad team. He's going to sign with a team that like the worst team in terms of like draft order that I think car could sign with is the jets who are at 12 or 13. Yeah. And I don't think, and I don't think Douglas is in a position where he's going to trade up for a number one pick. I think he needs a replacement that has to be come in and ready. Like they don't have time for a rookie at this point uh, with their current roster, who's on rookie contracts, et cetera. Uh, where I don't think Carr, honestly, I don't think he's going to sign with any of the teams in the top five or 10 that could have a ripple effect for this. Uh, I think yeah. the Ursay news is very <laughs> Ursay's press conference, if anything. Like, and we're at a point where it's late February. Every single storyline in regards to the draft is just going to get absolutely microanalyzed. And I, I'm even doing it with what I'm about to say, but. <laughs> with Ursay saying this all week, though. to me like the Ursay comment means nothing where if he which he said that Alabama quarterback quote unquote which if he had like name dropped Bryce that would have been different to me where if he was like Bryce Young that guy can totally play I've been like oh okay we're like we got one of the most <laughs> nuclear owners and I mean is, Bryce's is odds there a chance he just doesn't know Bryce Young's name I mean, <laughs> that's not, a, I'm going to put that out there. And I mean, Bryce's odds even moved like off of this news, which is how sensitive it is. I think he went from like minus 125 on FanDuel to minus 150, which I, I think I said this in the last show, but laying, laying, laying it with Bryce at his odds right now are a very bad bet. Uh, I don't think you can bet into the first draft pick market until after free agency until after the bears make a move um no matter what you hear it's it just there's nothing like i'm seeing a lot of richardson love and he richardson has the richardson Lee levis how do you pronounce what is it is it levis levis how, how do we pronounce his last we, name I, we should just come up with a way we want to say it and stick with it i mean my my iPhone corrects it into Levi's like it's the jeans. Oh, like the jeans, like five oh. Should we call him five oh one? But he's got all the. It's Levis. Thank you. Producer Levis. Dan says um, Levis. I like to say <laughs> Levis too, but all right, we'll go with Levis. There's um, so many names in the butcher. This might, but... Besides getting a little bit down on Hyatt, he's the only bet. And oh shit, this is my middle. I guess there was a place. Uh, it was Bavada. They opened some small props to start the season off and they had him over under 16 and a half for draft position. I end up betting that under just, I, I do think you see four quarterbacks off the board by the time we get to like 12. So. And, I, and I think he might be the third. So um, yeah, the, the quarterback stuff's going to be tricky. It's not, and we'll keep saying this. It's not like other markets where, you know, you have this, this over under, or excuse me, this uh, this pricing where it's like, oh man, that's just a good price. Like when you're taking, oh, that's a good price. Well, it's it's a terrible price if the information is not there. And right. and that's right. I think you start looking at some of this stuff. Like I'm starting to look at Will Anderson's numbers, and I just have that my my mindset is built around like 
oh man, this football game should be a little closer than this. Like that money line has a little bit of value because it's a, it's an unknown outcome that has to play out on the field. And I mean, it's not the same with Will. Like I'm looking at Will Anderson at seven to one and I'm, I'm just envisioning like what, what are the odds the bears have to stick with the pick, have to go with the defender and the free agents fall how they are. And even that, like if, even if I can talk myself into all that stuff happening at a high enough rate where I make that number value, it's, it's shit. It's, it's the same thing as like, (laughs) if we, if we heard tomorrow from a decent source that, that the, the trade is done, and it is 100% going to be Bryce Young. <laughs> you know, what's the last, what's the number you wouldn't bet it at? Right. You know, exactly. If it's somebody throws like, it's it's not about a value anymore. It's like, well, this is happening. Minus 500, we'll take my account, I guess. Right. And Will Anderson's, to me, like Will Anderson's stock profile is very similar to Kayvon Thibodeau's last year, where Thibodeau and it, like Anderson has been, the consensus number one player in this draft for two years, let's say uh, where this entire season, he was the number one guy and going into this draft, he's starting. I don't want to say he's falling, but we just have a year or two of him being the guy in this class. And now everyone else is starting to creep up that we're learning about like Jalen Carter, et cetera, that weren't the sexy guy, weren't the edge rusher. And Kayvon really was, that same profile. He was the top guy for a year or two, went into this draft and he still went top five, but he fell a little. And I think Anderson, I don't think he can do much to improve his stock, but I also don't think he can do much to hurt his stock. And I think he's just a lock to go to the top five, top yeah. six, whatever it is. And Jalen can jump him, but I don't think like Anderson is just going to go in that, in that. And it's the same you see every year, or you know, like you talk about these guys who have these two-year buildups to coming out, and... but they're not like bona fide like Jadavion Clownies. It's yeah, just it's, like it's there's a... no one that is a superstar, and these are going to be the, this is the next best for two years. Yeah. Oh, and and so much depends on like needs. Right. You, know, you end up in a in a in a spot here where like a bunch of teams in the top five, top ten need quarterbacks, and there's quarterbacks like. If there, if that wasn't a thing, if this quarterback class was even weaker than it already is, like, you'd feel like he'd probably be two to one to go first overall. Sometimes it just doesn't. It's like I remember Penny Sewell too. Like, that was like two years of hearing about the guy, and it just, well, he went where he went because of who needed what position. Sometimes it's just how it goes. Like, right, being top, like being the first overall comes with like a, a level of prestige. Like, you're always gonna be remembered for that. But like, if you go top five in the draft, you you fucking did something. Like you've you've really done something with your uh, career at that point. I mean, not even having played a snap in the NFL. So I, I'm with you there. I did find an eight to one on Will Anderson. As much as I even talked about it out loud, I still want to click on it. I'm not going to because I'm still just I still just so nervous about what the Bears do. Um, back to back to your original point about uh, Ursay though. So he's a windbag who doesn't know how to smile. That picture was haunting. If anyone hasn't seen that, Jesus, like I'm, I'm worried about his just well-being at all times, honestly, for many years now. But it does feel like there's a bit of a shift in that front office too. And anyone who's seen the, you know, the the know, what do we call it? Just like the tail of the tape on Ballard, and you know, he's never he doesn't want a quarterback this short. He doesn't want a guy this light. He's never drafted a corner who doesn't have this kind of reach. 
And I, I feel like Ursay maybe has less of a say than we thought because it feels like if Ursay really was, here's what I say and here's how it goes, Jeff Saturday would have been the coach. Right. <laughs> and and they, they, went, they went with an actual sane, rational idea and hired a, an offensive coordinator from a team that really put together a pretty good offense with some young players. So the fact that maybe Ballard and them got their way maybe says something that Ursay is just kind of out there. And, and they've just said, let him say whatever he wants. It doesn't matter. We can't stop him. Yeah. And I mean, and there's a Zach Hicks, Zach Hicks too on Twitter had a great tweet. I want to say earlier this week on basically like Chris Ballard reminders. And he lists, Four bullet points, and he goes, Ballard has not drafted a wide receiver under 5'11 or under 200 pounds. He had only drafted one cornerback with sub 32-inch arms. Edge, every edge rusher he's picked has had a vert of at least 34 inches and arm length of at least 33 inches. And then he has the same bullets for quarterbacks, basically 6'3", basically Levis. <laughs> like Levis is like what Ballard has drafted. Uh, and the polar opposite to what Bryce Young is, is honestly like Bryce Young is, if you want to look at a quarterback that Ballard has not drafted, it is Bryce Young. And I saw a great comparison. I don't know who did it, but like he is a Doug Flutie. <laughs> and that I saw that today and that stuck with me because it makes sense. And I think that is a positive. Um, but Ballard's like one of the few GMs that we have like a criteria like on file for what he's done historically. And I do feel like he's kind of on the schneid in terms of like, this is it, even though he's been around forever. Um, but. And it's funny too. We just keep mentioning the bears and how important what the bears do is, but what the Colts do is maybe more important. Yeah. And actually, I, I feel like, like put, put a percentage this to me. Like, let's say I can, I can tell you with 100% certainty right now, the bears trade this pick. And you have to, and you can throw other teams near. What what percentage would you say the trade is to Houston, and what percentage you say the trade is to Indy? Uh, I would say because it's much more likely for Indy. Okay. Yeah, I, and I think uh, that's where my head is too. But the the fact, and I read that same tweet, and it was kind of what I was referencing. I just didn't have it in front of me. Thank God you did. Um, <laughs> The, the fact being is like, do they have to? Because if, if nobody jumps them, if, if they stay at four with Arizona and Chicago in front of them, even if Chicago isn't in that exact order, doesn't it feel like there's only one quarterback taken ahead of them? It'll be Arizona and the Bears with some with some defensive players. And yeah, at that point, at that point, it's like, did, are they just like banking on Levis isn't the first guy off the board? It's going to be Bryce or Stroud, and we can get our guy without having to trade up at all. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree with you. Like, I think it's more likely, but at the same time, I wonder if that's where the mindset is for them right now. And this, and this thought actually just popped in my head with the uh, not to go back to Carter Anderson, but with the Cardinals getting Gannon. The Eagles drafted Jordan Davis from Georgia last year, which would have maybe a connection to Jalen Carter. Yeah. The only pushback on that is a lot of people drafted defensive players from Georgia last year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's like eight of them right yeah, away. It was nuts how many guys got drafted. And again, it's crazy how they reloaded. 
because it's like, oh, here's some more Georgia players on the yes. same defense. But um, I mean, you're and you're. I mean, to your point though, they do now have a defensive-minded head coach. Right. If they retain Hopkins, and they get, you know, if they have a brain in their head about not spending money on a running back, essentially you have your quarterback, you have your wide receiver one. The offensive line could probably use a little help, but there's nobody, you know, in the top three, four that you're going to be reaching for. If anything, you'd trade back if you want to go line. So it does feel like Arizona is overwhelmingly going to be a defensive pick. For sure. I, I, I wonder. I wonder if Indy can just stay put and and at that point, your your trade partners start to get a little thin because, like you you said before, when you're we talking about the car stuff, the Jets certainly don't have enough to trade up to the number one. They have the 13th. Uh, you know, the, the Texans do, but do they want to move one spot exactly if no one's leapfrogging them? You know, and Carolina is kind of – Carolina and Vegas are kind of borderline sitting at seven and nine. They'd have to put a nice package together along with the seventh and ninth to get up to the first overall. So it'd be awful expensive for them to move. So I, if, I think uh, honestly, if, the most- if, if Indy feels like saying put it foot it, Honestly, I'm I'm leaning more and more, and again, I need to hear some information that actually confirms this. I'm leaning more and more towards the Bears drafting first. I mean, I think I don't think Bears sticking with their pick is getting enough. Like we're talking about a general manager that just drafted that just traded number thirty-two pick for Claypool. So like anything's on the t- table, but yeah. like Bears staying put, I don't think like. I think it is way more reasonable to happen, which would be crazy, than I think it's getting credit for. But out of all the trade orders, the one that resonates the most with me is Colts, Texans, Panthers, top three. Panthers trade to three, Colts trade to one, Texans stay where they are. Um, but yeah, I agree. I th- like which, if the Bears stayed put, that would be an excruciating two months because there would not, ne- we will not be told that they are staying put. We are going to be wondering if they trade are going to be trading the entire time up until the draft. And we'll have no idea. Uh, well, we probably will have an idea um, through the tea leaves, but the possibility of it, like I would love for them just to get it over with. Like, please, like, and no, yeah, no, for sure. I'd, God, knowing, knowing more would be great, but no, and yeah. again, it's a, uh... It's a goofy spot for them because we run into this every few years where it's just such an obvious trade back spot. And the one I keep thinking of, which almost turned out to be a two pick, a lot of people thought, was that Lions where they took um, you know, the cornerback a couple of years back at the third spot, and they really wanted to like they really should have traded back at that spot. And so, sometimes, I mean, sometimes people don't have it like that's where we don't know about these teams. Like if these teams aren't in love with one particular quarterback, like if they say we have two guys on the board that are awful similar, or, you know, if you're in, excuse me, Carolina or, or uh, Vegas, if neither of them ends up signing you know, far, far, I said far of Jesus, Aaron Rodgers, or, uh, you know, if Derek Carr doesn't go to Carolina, something like that. Like if they're at a spot where they're like, if somebody falls to us, we're fine, but we're, maybe far enough from winning that we don't need to leverage a bunch of picks to go after in a, in a, you know, in a class where we're not super sure about it. If guys are fine with two or three different quarterbacks and they're not loved, then the the chances of getting a trade up just starts to diminish pretty quick. And 
like Glock and Fora really stirred the pot yesterday with saying that, that was... the Bears are looking to trade fields, which my first thought he kind of got destroyed, which I don't think like Glock and Fora is past his prime. I don't think anything he really says has a lot of weight to it, but I saw a lot of the Bears are just trying to leverage the pick at this point, like blowing smoke for, to up the price for the number one pick, which to me is like that angle is such bullshit where these GMs aren't feeding the Schefters, et cetera, gossip to bump the price up for a number one pick. Like that isn't going to work. Like every, every GM isn't dumb. Like they have the price that they're going to give. And that is, that is it. Like just because Schefter or Rappaport is tweeting out that they're like trying to trade this pick isn't making the pick that much more available. Like, has, like these guys have each other's phones on speed dial. Like, <laughs> like we aren't living through a, a world of posturizing picks through the Twitterverse of Lock and Fora. Like, well, and that, that's the thing too. I was almost going to say like, you need a bigger name. Than yeah, like, like it, it has to go through Schefter or something. If you really, if you really want to put up a smoke screen, but at that point too, like it's not like Schefter is, you know, everybody kind of gets to know, which which of these reporters are willing to just report anything that's told to them and not like fact check it where they're willing to carry some water for teams for the league for stuff like that and you know, I don't know bad mouth anybody like if if you have ju- something juicy like that even if you don't 100% you know aren't 100% sure it's true like you're going to tweet that i would have tweeted that if anybody told oh, me yeah. that like for Again, sure. an intern for you know any teams like, hey, guess what I heard? I'm yeah. tweeting that right now. But yeah, like like you said, it's not. Uh, it does just feel like silly gamesmanship. That's maybe a little too late because I mean the team already kind of gave Justin Fields a bit of a stamp of approval what a few weeks ago, which which at at that point we said the same thing but opposite. We said, is it dumb that they're not, you know, that they're not saying, oh, we might trade him. I mean, would I you think say? Who, it was kind of like, well, we all know where you're at, guys. Who do you think is more likely to play for their current team next year, Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson? Fields by a lot. Which Lamar Jackson, if he gets traded, that's another one. Like they trade to, eh, I don't know how realistic Lamar would be to shake up like the top ten, but um, so so the spot he could shake up, and Carolina too, maybe Carolina, Atlanta. Are a couple yeah. landing spots with good, you know, there's some good receivers. You have some some number one receivers at, at both those spots, and and yeah. you know the cap space exists. Like that's the other thing; it's going to be an expensive one because he's under that franchise tag, and like I think it's like forty five million a year for that, and that's a nice big cap hit. But it, it just if it's Atlanta or Carolina, those are eight and nine, and that's not going to shake up probably anything in the really the the top four or the top two quarterback it's not going to shake up stuff with the bears because it would shake up it would we're like it'd shake up the the levis richardson yeah exactly where like richardson like the instagram videos are already coming out um like the zach wilson story arc um which richardson's like really the only guy in the back that i can see making moves where i mean i was even seeing tweets about those two guys jumping bryce where like Bryce's size is is the one variable that we really have nothing on that 
really, I mean, he's 5'9", 175 pounds. 75 pounds. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. And I don't think it's ironic. It's not a coincidence that Levis's pro day is the day after Bryce's where Bryce is going to measure in at 5'9", a buck 85, assuming he doesn't just put on all this water weight. And then Levis is the very next day and he's going to be 6'3", 230, it's all the Instagram. It's just uh No, if if anything, like here's the power move. Levis needs to show up at Bryce Young's pro day just in like street clothes and just all he has to do is like get near him. Just like, hey, I just wanted to wish you really just good luck. Just, just so somebody can take a picture and it's like the it's like the Aaron Judge Jose Altuve picture all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, this guy because and yeah, the last little minor news chunk would be the Mina Kimes photo. Yeah, and, and the, the internet sleuths were all over that, and that's the thing. Mina Kimes is not; she's very famous, but she's not like an athlete. She didn't go to the combine to be, right. you know. So the internet was a little off on her height because people were freaking out. Some place on the internet listed her as like five two, <laughs> and she's like, an, and so she's like an inch shorter than Bryce in those pictures. People were like, oh my god. He's smaller than Kyler, and she better be wearing. And she did come out like twenty minutes later, said, "I'm wearing four inch heels in this photo." I mean, the, but there still, was a still made me nervous. There was a reply to that tweet, and it had a picture of Bryce getting yeah. interviewed by Mark Ingram, where Ingram was in sneakers and Bryce is in cleats, which cleats probably take an inch off of compared to someone in sneakers because the cleats are going into the ground. And then the sneakers are going to prop you up. And well, they, you. they have they have way bigger soles, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean Ingram's five nine, and Bryce was like an inch short on him in the photo. Um, and it is like a good like angle that can't. It's not like a deceivingly height angle. It, it is. <laughs> it, I mean the dude is, but he's like a straight up baller. Like it, it's just a is going to change the landscape of how everyone thinks about him forever, in terms of like draft stock. Dan Dan's in the chat. He says. Google uh, Bryce Young, Nick Saban. It says Saban's five foot six. Yeah, it, you can you can kind of cheat your way around this because, I, like I said, I've, I lost money. And we'll get to combine stuff here in a bit. We we lo- I lost money on the combine height uh, for Kyler Murray. Like they, they said he was like five eleven or something, <laughs> and I bet like under five ten. I'm just like, there's no fucking. I have this Heisman photo where they're at the, you know, there's the Heisman. He's, he can't see over the trophy. Like you there's guys are lying. This is horseshit. This is lying. Like, I, I probably would have raised the stink if they, like, they didn't take very much money on it. It was such a silly, goofy bet that, that you know, the limit was super low. But if it would have been more money, I probably would have raised a little bit of a stink on that one. I'm not sure I've ever won a, a combine bet. I think bet everything him. I've ever bet at the combine is. Uh, I bet the Lamar to 40 time. He didn't run. I bet somebody else's 40 time and I missed it by a little bit. And then everything else has been height or something stupid. Yeah. But yeah, the, the many times photo does cause a little bit of a stir. And I think that's what it's going to come down to is, is there a team willing to look past it? The size, because you know what, what worked in the NFL 20 years ago, isn't what's going to work necessarily for the next 20. Like, you know, if you're convinced enough of his skill set, his ability to pack on a little bit of weight in the weight room, it's not like short quarterbacks have not been, you know, horrid. He said, you know, Flutie was a weird career, but like Drew Brees had a very good career. 
Kyler Murray's not very tall. Like short is one thing, but like you said, he is small. He's got to be just hammering three Gatorades before he walks into weigh in yeah. for the combine. And it's funny too. And the thing is, like, hey, well, here we are, just a couple of schmucks talking draft stuff. We know this. Like, that's the worst part. It's like you're not fooling anybody. Like a GM right. knows, but if we know this, GMs know. Like, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take 15 pounds off that weight because he just, you know, he just uh, went to Old Country Buffet and then hammered a bunch of water before he walked in here. So I yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Well, we're, we're not. Like it's said, something I, that I we're think... not gonna. We're not gonna have answers on it. it. It's gonna be something that, if anything, Bryce's size is something that is going to really manipulate people into betting their personal opinions, um, which is the number one thing we're going to try not to do. Uh, But in the end, he's still going to go like top five, like that. It's really just whether he goes before Stroud or not, I think it is what it's coming down to. And maybe Levis, but like, yeah, there's no answers. It's, it will be, it's going to be an interesting ride trying to figure it out. And that's the thing. There's so much tape on him playing so well that that's the one trade that maybe isn't, talked about it all if we go if we go you know maybe levis goes second quarterback and the top four however you want to shuffle them it's anderson carter levis and stroud seattle's sitting there at the fifth pick with bryce young on the board and they you know oh, they've no. committed you know they've right. committed to a quarterback like could they could they get a bunch from like Carolina or, you know, these teams that we said, Hey, the jets don't have enough to trade to the number one pick. The jets have enough to trade to the number five pick and Seattle could Seattle could kind of make a killing. You know, at that point you have very little time to work on a deal, but I think if, if young does fall like that, somebody like Seattle or the lions at five or six could oh man falling to six. seems. Really yeah, I mean, he could, that's the thing where like we could, like that is like the disconnect between like the front asses that we're trying to figure out where all of the mocks right now have him going one or two where we could all just be totally wrong. And these teams overvalue his size way more than we actually thought. And he just falls because yeah. he's five, eight or whatever. And all of a sudden he's at the eighth pick and the Falcons, who knows, but it is definitely one of the more interesting narratives. And <laughs> one of the few we have and, to talk about the right. Falcons have like, yeah, the Falcons have like 15 needs. But yeah. again, if he's there, boy, that's tempting. I mean, even if he took a quarterback last year. So, um, anything else on news? Uh, that's kind of the big hitters. Do you want to talk any new mocks? That I mean, there was there was one. Notes? Not to bring up my uh, the one guy from Denver tweeted out about the Broncos having are being aggressive in trading a X player that would, that is like a star. And I think everyone assumes it might be Judy to get draft capital. Yeah, and they yeah. definitely need a lot of draft picks, which I don't think that really shakes up anything right now, but it's, it was one of the few tweets I saw over the last couple of days. I was like, Oh shit. Like I haven't seen anything like this before. And then my favorite guy, Ben Albright confirmed it, um, which we're not going to get into. No, but, and I I'm, I just ha- I don't have a good enough gauge on what Judy's worth. The wide yeah. receiver market has been very odd. Like, uh, I mean, just over the last five years, the the amount of disparity between what people got for Diggs, 
what people got right. for you know uh claypool <laughs> Clay, um, claypool is a great example but even just like uh robbie anderson moving um nuke moving to the desert like you know that what people value a wider receiver is apparently quite different from team to team so it's hard to yeah. put a it's hard to put a number on that but yeah obviously interesting yeah and really uh yeah i think that's pretty much it and next week are you actually going to the combine so i might what what day does it actually start? Twenty eighth, so I think that is uh, it's, it's only the sixteenth. We got two weeks. A week from Tuesday, yeah. Um, I might go. I, I just I'm, I got home from the desert. I'm sick of my family already. They're and, loud. Uh, I got two kids and a puppy. It's uh, like I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't mind three nights in Indy. It's a cool thing to say you've been to. It might be boring as hell, but uh. I mean, I can't even watch it on TV, but no, and the, they say it. like the combine sucks. They say going to the combine sucks, but you go to the bar and you might end up talking to a head coach, you know, like there's just, everybody's out like a, a lot of te- people who are affiliated with teams are just there all weekend and you can make some good connections and, and you can get some information, especially if there's some beers involved. So that'd be yeah. more of what I, that'd be more of what I'd be interested in, which Yes, please. Which, I mean, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that draft props have always come out around March 1st because it is combine and that's really when everyone starts thinking about the draft. So about a week and a half out until these spots start popping. Until then, we might get a few more. I would say probably these three, we might get, I mean, sometimes they come out with positional over-unders early before like the specific players like the tight end market's very interesting. We got like four tight ends that could go in the first right now. No one really knows who is the guy. Um, Mayor has been the guy for a year plus, but guys like Kincaid, Washington, that guy at like Oregon State, I forget his name. Like each one of those three, I would say Kincaid, the guy out of Oregon State, has more of a case personally, but they all have like a legitimate case to be the first wide receiver gone. Um, where if an over-under comes out on that, anything below, if it's like three and a half, it will be like the Notre Dame over one and a half offensive lineman taken type bet in the first round, yeah. um, which was like the lock of the century. But yeah, that, that would be the other position I'm looking out for, um, tight ends. And I, I think you're probably right. If you guys are wanting to like do research ahead of, you know, ahead of the market actually coming out to be ready for it, it does feel like the next few markets out are going to be over under offensive linemen first round, over under tight ends, over under defensive players. You know, those yeah. those ones that are a little more generalized and aren't so predicated on a position for a specific player in the in the draft. You do see those. And maybe like you said, two first tight end, first offensive linemen, because yeah. it's that's probably a pretty decent market between like well, I mean, uh, sure. Paris, Paris Johnson, Skaronsky, and uh, there's a Georgia tackle that's in there too, maybe a little further down. So first offensive lineman, uh, uh, Gonzalez and Porter, first cornerback or first defensive back off the board. Like you might see those start to pop up if you if you want to start in on some of that. My research for the next week is going to be combine stuff. Like I mentioned earlier, I went and looked across – all the books I have access or even just logins to and to see what 
if there was any new draft props that had popped up today. And I ran into Bovada and they have 15 combine props. My which God. I started to look and like, man, I don't know if I can bet in this quite yet. And before I did any research, I clicked one and hit max to see, you know, it's like, am I doing research for a $25 prop? <laughs> and you can bet $1,000 on the Rich Eisen 40-yard dash. <laughs> so uh, maybe maybe don't do that. But a, a lot of it was just, you know, not super player-based, but fastest 20-yard shuttle, fastest thir- three-cone drill, Um Basically, like, will you will you break the record? Will you will there be a sub four point three forty time? Who has the fastest? Will somebody break John Ross's combine record? Yes or no? Fastest sixty yard shuttle, highest vertical. What's uh, what, the John Ross one? That's interesting. Four point two two, so fast. Oh my god! That's why he's a, that's why he's still a huge star to this day. Yeah, highest vertical, longest broad. Uh, most bench press reps. Um, the record, you know what the record for bench press reps is? No idea. 49. Who did I don't that? Know who this person is Stephen Paella. Okay, I love Paella. Yeah, I'm gonna dig into this a little bit. You can bet, uh, you can bet some rich eyes and props too if you really want. So, I'm gonna dig into those while I wait for more stuff, and probably too, like I mentioned. The, the advice I actually gave and said, I'm going to start trying to put a price on over under offensive linemen, first round over under uh, tight ends, corners, defense players like that, start to get my head wrapped around that. So I can be ready for those. For sure. It's just annoying. This is just like the two weeks of waiting. I, it did. The amount of times I check on a daily basis, for, like knowing the outcome, but I, I'm just already in the rhythm of like checking multiple times a day to see if they've posted anything new, knowing that they haven't. Um, we're already there, and yeah, we're it's uh, when they do, it'll be I, I'll probably jump up and scream. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for over under. Sorry. Right, so, all right, anything else to close her out for the for the day episode two? No, we're good to go. I think we're good. Let's call her a Thursday. So uh, get back to the grind. What I mean, what are you grinding on? Just there's no NFL, and I don't know what to do. I, I mean, I, I was extremely hyped to see the dunk contest Oz today. Oh, yeah, I gotta dig into that. Yeah, I can't get as good of a number as uh, basically everybody else on Mac McClung, so I might be, I might be more of a three point better kind of uh, kind of guy, I guess. All right, good so, show. All right, for me, for Vegas refund. Catch you next week, guys.